Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm so glad that you tracked us down, and I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, I hope you've had a great year so far this year, and I hope you have some great resolutions, especially spiritual resolutions for the upcoming year of 2024. We've had a lot of great milestones and had so many fantastic guests providing insights and real messages of hope for us. And it's really helped me personally. I hope it has helped you as well. We live in a fallen world, uh, in in an ever darker world without the light of Jesus Christ and without the influence of Catholicism. Reaching out to all nations like we were commissioned to do by Jesus Christ. And I know for myself, I need to, to really zero in on that challenge from Jesus Christ that he made all those years ago, back in the Gospels, over 2,000 years ago, to go forth and make disciples of all nations, starting with mine, my own here in Canada. There's a lot of work to do, and a lot of our listeners are from Canada, so and we got a big country, so we got a lot of work to do. And if you're from outside of Canada, we're going to continue to pray for you, and you pray for us as well, because, hey, this faith is universal. It goes beyond borders to many, many countries all over the world. Well, every continent, there's mass being said at every hour of every minute of the day is being offered up for for us in the church, but also for the entire world. And Padre Pio said the world would exist better without the sun than without the mass. So how exciting is that? What an exciting part of being on Team Jesus and being in the Catholic Church. This is such a great time to be alive, and I'm so excited to share this journey with you. Well, let's start with a quote from Pope John the Twenty Third, Saint Pope John the Twenty Third. He says, Consult not your fears, but your hopes and your dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfulfilled potential. Concern yourself not with what you tried and failed in, but with what it is still possible for you to do. End quote from St. Pope John the 23rd. So I hope that you've got some spiritual resolutions that you're thinking about and praying about that you can put forth and into action for 2024 as I do as well, and I'm really excited about where we're going to be at the end of 2024. Let's pray for each other that we can continue to live our faith for Jesus Christ and fulfill the promises that we make to him and renew our commitment every day to be warriors of Jesus Christ. In this episode, though, I thought we'd look back on 2023. It's been such a blessing for me personally, and this podcast, having so many great listeners like yourself, tuning in and providing some great feedback and just saying hello and telling me, hey, you're listening from all over the world. It's so great to belong to this universal church. So I thought I'd put a few snippets together, a few sound bites of some of the highlights of our year. It was really hard to pick it because we had so many great guests with so many great stories and providing a lot of great stories of hope. So I want to kick it off with one of the most joyful warriors of Jesus Christ, the most joyful a missionaries that I know in North America, and that is the founder of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. His name is Terry Barber. He's got such a great message of uh, charity with clarity, like he says, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. He makes things very clear and uh, with, with a lot of joy as well. And he's got a great book called How to Share Your Faith with Anyone. So here's some of his thoughts on evangelizing with joy. Well, one thing we can do is we first pray. Because without prayer, nothing gets done. And ask Jesus Christ to put people in your pathway that you can share the gospel with. And I have a principle in my book. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
So when it comes to sharing the faith, the hidden power of kindness is powerful. So even if you don't even talk about Jesus, the first thing you do is you establish rapport by giving someone kindness. Maybe you open the door for somebody. Maybe you get something from somebody. They pick up on that. They go, why'd you do that? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. What? So sharing the faith can be really quite simple by just uh, expressing your love for God and the way you treat people with respect. Because right now, we live in a world that's centered on me, myself, and I. It's the unholy trinity. And so what we need to do is focus on what can I do to serve my neighbor? And when you serve your neighbor, then people are open to the gospel. So this is something I really encourage people to do. And I also say, always carry Catholic literature, whether it's tracts or CDs or downloads where you can send people uh, you know, recordings of things. Because I have seen over 43 years of doing this, so many conversions of people because they heard a Scott Hahn uh, cassette tape or from a yard sale that was given away or a CD or a download. And uh, this is important because what happens is people listen to these recordings when you're not there and their guard is not as up because they got to defend their position of not wanting to be a follower of Christ. But sometimes when they hear a recording on YouTube or anywhere else, they go, wow, that guy's speaking to me. So just give people opportunities to meet Jesus through kindness. In Los Angeles, we have the largest religious uh, gathering of 30,000, 40,000 people at the Anaheim Convention Center next to Disneyland. And every year there's anti-Catholic people standing on the sidewalk carrying you know, signs that say the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon. And what you just said, they're out there arguing with people. So I said, this was probably 15, 20 years ago, I said, you know, everybody, I said, don't, Brian, you know, come here, my friend Brian, I said, don't even dialogue with them on that. You're just wanting to fight because, you you know, you're a fighter by trade. Watch what I do. So I walked out there with a smile because a smile is a small form of enthusiasm. And the word enthusiasm comes from Theo, God is in you. So you smile at the guy and I ask questions because one of my principles is he who asks questions has control. Our Lord did that all through the scriptures when he was sharing the gospel. So I said to the gentleman who was anti-Catholic, excuse me, can I ask you a question? What's he going to say? No. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, can you tell me how you fell in love with Jesus? And he told me his conversion story right there in front of everybody about how Christ came into his life. He was a womanizer. He was a drug addict, alcohol problem, and he got healed from all that. And he's a new creation in Jesus Christ. Now, it took 20 minutes to tell the story. I listened. And I said, that's fantastic. Can I tell you my conversion story? What's it going to say, David? No, I earned it. You see the dialogues coming now? So we both exchanged our conversion stories. He says, you know, you're not a bad guy after all. You really do have a relationship with Christ. I can tell. And I said, can we pray together? Yeah, we can pray together. So we prayed. And I said, we do have differences, brother. I understand. But let's pray uh, to the unifier, the Holy Spirit, that someday we can agree on what Christ taught, whether it's the Eucharist or Our Lady, and be worshiping together on the same page. Can we do that? Yeah, but we left. But you see the difference? It wasn't confrontational. It was loving. A great lesson from Terry Barber on how to share our faith with joy and with charity as well. And I know that's something I'm going to be working on this coming year. 
that was our very first episode of 2023 back on episode 83. And then I was really quite blessed and thrilled to have Terry's co-host from the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio and just an amazing evangelist in the Catholic Church, a true warrior for Jesus Christ. His name is Jesse Romero. Hardly needs an introduction. Most Catholics know exactly who he is. Well, he also stopped by our podcast and it was our very special episode is episode number 100 so it was a real blessing to have jesse and share this conversation with you and one of the questions that we posed to jesse was how can we be real fearless courageous warriors and evangelizers for jesus christ and not being afraid when it comes time to spread the gospel and to share our catholic faith with others some other ways like uh here in in the u.s there's a very vibrant apostolate called the St. Paul Street, St. Paul Street Evangelization. It's all over the United States. And uh, I'm part of it is, uh, you know, lay Catholics, you know, generally men, we go out, we go out, you know, uh, you know, once or twice a month out in public, wherever, whatever city you live in, set up a table in the mall, in the public square, take rosaries, pamphlets, take, uh, you know, prayer cards, and just share share and evangelize with people in a mall or in a public square and say, hey, we're Catholic. We want to give you a free prayer card. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Uh, you get in some incredible conversations with people that are people that are ex-Catholics, fallen away Catholics, people that are searching. So that's one good way is I would say uh, take a look at St. Paul, uh, St. Paul Street Evangelization Ministry. It's it, They're all over the U.S. There's chapters all over the U.S. And that would be a good thing to bring into Canada as well. Uh, the next, you're amazing. Yeah, the, the, you guys should you guys should have have that all over Canada. Uh, another thing is the best way to evangelize is obviously is uh, when people see that you're a serious Catholic and they see that this person loves Jesus, this person walks the walk and talks the talk. That's attractive. That's what attracts when you meet an authentic Christian and you say, man, this guy, this guy sold out for Christ. This guy doesn't compromise. That's attractive. So as a Catholic, we have to become as holy as possible. Uh, and, and what I'm saying is right in the catechism. It, it says in paragraph 828, the catechism says that in times of darkness, the church, uh, the church has its rebirth when people become saints so strive to become as holy as you can strive to become a saint and i'm telling you holy people make a difference and people that are living in a state of mortal sin people that are diabolically afflicted people that are living wretched lives they can tell when they're in the presence of a holy man or woman and that has a big impact on them Another thing, be a billboard for Jesus. I'm always wearing seven days a week. I always have some type of a Catholic T-shirt on. Like right now, I'm wearing a T-shirt that says, uh, "Stand up, uh, uh, stand up for the flag, kneel down for the cross." And, and, and so, uh, so when I go out in public today, you know, people. We'll look at that T-shirt. I always wear a St. Benedict's medal outside my, my T-shirt. It's a big, with a miraculous heart medal. As I'm walking through airports, I'll see people, they'll completely turn their head. They're like, 
I'm walking and they're, they, their eyes lock on my crucifix, which is about three inches big, and my miraculous thread, which is about an inch big. And they look and their heads completely do a 180 as they're following my chest. And I have flight attendants saying, wow, that's so beautiful. They want to touch it. Again, wear t-shirts, wear sacramentals outside your shirt. And, and, and it makes it a people, people are searching and people, their eyes, they lock in on things like that. Here's also another way to evangelize. Put things in your car that show that you're a follower of Christ. I got a nice Chevy truck. I got a big fish, uh, fish emblem in the back of my truck. Okay. Uh, my license plate is a Bible verse. So people always, they go, that's a Bible verse. I'm going to look it up. It says Jude 1, 3, Jude 1, which is, you know, contend for the faith once and for all. So everybody that sees my truck, they go, that's a Bible verse. I'm going to look it up on my phone right now. And as, that's the way of it. They, uh, uh, there's a big fish in my tailgate of my truck. There's a big, beautiful St. Benedict's rosary uh, hanging from my uh from my my my, my rear view mirror uh and so people you know they're driving by they could see inside they could see and my rosary gets used every day it's not decoration i pray that rosary i pray that rosary every day the holy rosary and the divine mercy so it's not a card decoration it gets used every day again so the, my wife has her license plate it says mother of god in latin mater day people to tell her Anita, that's I know that's a that's that's a Latin prayer. She goes, yeah, it means Mother of God, Mater Dei. So little things like in my front heart in my house, how do I evangelize? In my neighborhood, I'm around a bunch of Mormons and Protestants. I'm probably one of the only Catholics here, here in Phoenix, Arizona. Nice neighborhood, nice suburb. Um, on both sides of my door, I have a four foot statue of Jesus, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. On the other side of my door, I have a, a four foot statue. Of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. My neighbor, none of my neighbors are Catholics here. They all compliment me. They're all walking their dogs and they walk at night and they compliment me. They say, that's so beautiful what you have there on your porch. You know, those images are so beautiful. It's just, we've, I've had one neighbor told me, I feel safe at night seeing your images across the street. I, it gives me a sense of safety. And see, so uh, those are the ways to evangelize uh, and also, here's the last thing I would say. Ways to evangelize. Make sure that your house looks like a Catholic home. When I was a cop and I used to take people to jail for domestic violence, I noticed that a lot of people whose houses I had to go into to separate mom and dad from killing each other and taking one to jail, usually the father, their houses had posters of like, you know, uh, centerfolds, Playboy centerfolds, Harley Davidson's. Uh, you know, Coors Light and Budweiser beer signs. I, I looked at a lot of these Catholic homes and inside their houses, it looked like some pagan shrine. Buddha, the big old fat Buddha statue in the corner, uh, crystals in, 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 in the living room table. Make sure your home looks like a Catholic home. Make sure it's full of blessed statues and blessed images. You know what happens here to, uh, with me? When I have people, sparklets guy, the pool guy, uh, you know, the guy that's going to fix my air conditioner. When I have these guys walk walk to my house, I've gotten this comment more than once. They've told me, wow, Jesse Romero, wow, there's something different about this house. 
I can feel something different about this house that I don't feel anywhere else. And I and I tell them, I'll tell the sparkless guy, I'll tell the fridge uh, air conditioning guy, I'll say, I'll say, because this house, I said, is consecrated to Jesus Christ and Mary. I said, this house, we're, we we pray over this house three times a day, me and my wife, and this house has been officially consecrated to the sacred. I said, that's what you feel when you walk in, and they all tell me. I've had guys, you know, electricians walk in there. They they stop, David. They stop and they look around the house. They go, "Whoa, something's different here." They can feel, as Saint Paul calls, the sweet aroma of Christ. Well, there he is, the ultimate spiritual fitness trainer, Jesse Romero, there to give us some great insights and some great observations and encouragement in living our life for Jesus Christ in a very bold way. That was episode number one hundred. Eric Sammons is the editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine, and we had a great conversation about where we've been in the last 10 years uh, of Pope Francis's pontificate. Lots of ups and downs and some confusion, too, in our world and in our church today. And let's continue to pray for Pope Francis and our cardinals and bishops. It's not an easy job uh, at all. It's not an easy vocation being at uh, the top of leadership in the church, especially when we live in a world that's so... Um, absent of Jesus Christ, but we really need to work together with our leadership and our church to encourage them so that we can be the salt of the earth and the leaven of the bread in the earth so that we can share the joys and the wonders of Christendom, the wonders of Jesus Christ. And how important it is for the Catholicity to really shine forth from us, to be authentic witnesses of Jesus Christ, but to make sure that when we are reaching out to other people that are not Catholics, that uh, we're reaching out from a place of being living in the sacramental life and really spreading the Catholic message, the gospel of Jesus Christ to others and inviting them to the sacramental life themselves and not staying in the place where they're at, staying in a place where they're away from Christ, practicing pagan lifestyles. We got to get them out of that. We got to bring them into the fold of Jesus Christ. So here were Eric's comments on ecumenicalism and reaching out to people from outside of our Catholic faith. A number of years ago, I wrote a, a high school textbook on ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. And so I, I, I'm very knowledgeable about that area. Um, I mean, and yet my last book, as you mentioned, Deadly Indifference, is basically against ecumenism and interreligious dialogue because I came, to, this was an evolution in my own thought where I came to see that how modern ecumenism and interreligious dialogue is done is fundamentally flawed and is causing more people to leave the church than enter it. And just to make sure the listeners understand what we're talking about, ecumenism is basically the Catholic church, how it interacts and deals with, with uh, non-Catholic Christians, so Protestants and Orthodox, whereas interreligious dialogue is how the church interacts and deals with uh, uh, non-Christians, so Muslims, Jews, atheists, pagans, whatever. And so the general sense since the 1960s has been the emphasis is on dialogue, that we talk about what we have in common. And that's basically all we do is we just kind of dialogue and there's no real purpose to it. Like you'll see a few church documents that might say some a little bit more than that, not any more that much, but it's all about dialogue. We just basically meet we talk about what we agree on. We might every once in a while talk about what we disagree on. And then we have a cocktail party afterwards and that's it. And so I've really come to realize how terrible that is because what it, it does a few things. 
the, the main thing it does, and thus the title of my book, Deadly Indifference, is it fosters a religious indifferentism where we don't really think it matters what faith you are. Like I am much more comfortable talking to a Protestant who's hardcore and thinks I'm going to hell for being a Catholic than I am some uh, Episcopal priest who doesn't even care one way or another what religion you are. Because that guy who's the Protestant, he really believes what he believes, and he th- might think I'm going to hell, and I can talk to him about it, though, because he's passionate. He cares about my soul. He thinks it matters what religion you are. That's somebody I can have an actual dialogue with uh, that leads somewhere. That's the problem is most ecumenism and religious dialogue doesn't lead anywhere. And so what happened is over time, over the decades, since it started in the 1960s, it just got worse and worse and worse, where we became more and more accepting. And I think this is an area where I I would be critical of Pope John Paul II. I think he did some things during his pontificate that sent the signal. Like, I don't think he was an indifferentist. I think he personally did believe, you know, the Catholic Church was one true faith and, and what and people should become Catholic. But he made some public actions that I think sent a message that it doesn't really matter what faith you are, that they're all basically equal. And so this continued, to, and Pope Benedict did, did as well. And so I, I think what happened was you see this growing movement among Catholic leaders that we have to be as accepting as possible of other faiths. We have to be accepting of other religions, stuff like that. And I think it reached its pinnacle with Pachamama, that you literally have a pagan idol that's paraded around. They tried to act like first, like it's some Catholic thing, but then they basically acknowledged, no, it's not. It's a pagan idol that they paraded around the Vatican. Now, anybody who's read the Old Testament <laughs> knows this is exactly the things that led to the downfall of Israel. This is exactly what led to the Babylonian captivity, to, to all the problems I mean, when you read, for example, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, what you read is if the king uh, fell into idolatry, the nation had lots and lots of problems. And so when you have literally the Vatican falling into idolatry, and I really do believe they did, like I think, like for example, not everybody there was thinking, I worship this, 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 uh, this idol, this ugly looking idol. I don't think that, but I do think their actions were basically idolatrous. Um, just like I, it's not necessarily true that everybody at the golden calf thought it was actually a God. They might've just been like, Hey, this might help us or something. So I think it was a radical thing. And I think you're absolutely right that I think this has far reaching consequences. And my personal opinion is the church will never get back on track until there is a public repentance over that, where a Pope and the bishops get together and they have a public repentance to say what was, what happened there was wrong and we condemn it and we beg God's uh, forgiveness and mercy for it. I think that when that happens, I think we can get uh, going back on the right track again. But until that happens, I don't see how how, how we, we get back on the right track. Fair comment from Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine. That was episode number 86 and easily our most listened to podcast that we've ever had and also easily the most feedback we've ever received from a podcast episode. So thank you for that feedback. And let's remember to continue to pray for church leadership that we can bring the truth to life together not only with uh, the vocations of uh, our holy orders and our priests and our bishops but also us the laity we need to work together to bring the truth of jesus christ to this earth and follow eric sammons and the good folks at crisis magazine very important work that they're doing there well this is the catholic connect podcast and i'd be remiss to not bring on another catholic connect to this particular episode 
And it was a real blessing to bring on this gentleman in particular. He's someone that lives in my archdiocese, hardly needs an introduction again because you've seen his videos all over the internet, all over YouTube, his video essays, his commentary on the church, uh, just great insights. And that is one Brian Holdsworth. So I set this one up with a bit of a question on how sometimes we sell the sizzle instead of the steak. So in other words, we sell the flash and the uh, the real extravagance sometimes of a show in the church when really we should be focused on the Eucharist, the beauty of Jesus Christ, and the beauty of our liturgy and of the Mass. So I think that, um, you know, there's the the sizzle. And sometimes when Catholic churches and parishes that we we know of Brian, and it's not just in Alberta, it's all around the world. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. We go away from the centrality of our faith, which is the sacramental life and receiving the Eucharist worthily, going to confession. And we try to sell this message of sizzle, and it just doesn't work very well, does it, Brian? When we start to go to the entertainment portion of mass and trying to bring people in. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, your your story is is interesting because uh, I probably wouldn't have the composure at your age to say something as profound as you did. But if I was approached by somebody today um, who is saying, you know, isn't this a better expression of what Christianity could be? Look how attractive it is. Look how relevant it is, and 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 how how much it should it would resonate with people with sensibilities that uh, transcend the borders of the church. And I would say, well, yeah, that's fine, but. If this is what attracted me to Christianity or to a particular faith tradition, if it's lights and guitars and battles of the bands and relevant clothing and expressions and colloquialisms, um, then why would I stop and rest at the church? Because if that's what I'm looking for, I can always find far more sizzle, far more relevance, far more fashionable thought and expressions way beyond the borders of a Pentecostal or a Baptist or what have you church. Um, ultimately, they're never going to be as attractive in those respects as the secular culture is, as MTV will be, or as TikTok will be, or just whatever the the thing happens to be, right? Um, so ultimately, there has to be something of substance there. There has to be something that is a contradiction to the world. There has to be something that is countercultural, right? Jesus didn't come to to finesse the world into what it what it you know the best version of itself, you know, the secular culture, he came to usher in the kingdom of God, which should be separate and different and distinct from the world. Um, and then, of course, scripture tells us that we should um, we should be distinct from the world. We should be the salt to the world, not the other way around. Um, so what we do find, especially in the ancient expressions and the timeless expressions of the faith, um, is just that, is something that's wholly unique, something that that comes from the incarnation and and kind of ripples out from there, both in its its creed and the way that it is communicated and the teachings of it and its message for for those of us that would adhere to it, but then also with the way that that creed gets manifested in material reality, the way that it cultivates into culture uh, when it when it collides with the world, uh, both with people and 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 our expressions of of society and culture around us through art and and architecture and music and all of these kinds of things. Um, I remember, you know, I was I was I was in bands growing up. I played the guitar and early my early experiences of Christianity were, oh, I'm going to join a youth band and and we're going to do this this thing that I'm familiar with, but we're just going to kind of infuse it with with Christian content. And I remember thinking, yeah, that that's 
that seems like an attractive way to go. And that's going to attract outside people. But then I had these, these experiences that were, that kind of shook me out of that a little bit. One was on our honeymoon, we went to uh, Westminster Cathedral in London, England. That's where we landed. That was the beginning of our honeymoon. Uh, we were doing a tour of, of Western Europe and we were super jet lagged and it was the middle of the afternoon. And I knew we can't go to the hotel room because we'll just fall asleep and we need to kind of push through and stay awake. So let's walk around town and try to keep ourselves awake. And we came across this cathedral and I didn't know if it was Catholic or Anglican or what it was, but it looked beautiful. So we walked in through the front doors and it turned out it was Catholic and mass was just about to start. And it was like a Wednesday afternoon. And so we sat down and there was an organ recital going on um, or not a, a recital. It was actually a warm up just for mass. And they have like a world-class organist team there. And he was just, he was just jamming on the organ. And I, I was like a, I was a metal guy. Right. And not just because I liked hard rock music, but because I love people who could shred on the guitar, who were virtuosos on their instruments. Right. And I sat there and listened to this guy just jamming. And I thought, this is more intense than any of he the heaviest heavy metal that I, I have devoted myself to at times in my life. This is, and, and the virtuosity of it is just beyond anything I've ever heard before. It's just incredible. And then mass started and it was a very sort of solemn, reverent mass, which I'd never experienced before. And they had a cantor up there who was chanting just one singer through the whole thing. She chanted the Psalm. Uh, and then she chanted obviously um, the offertory and other elements of the mass and the propers and things. And I just thought I was, I was, it was, it was transcendent, truly transcendent where it just takes you to another world. And I remember thinking, this is the, this is what Christianity actually is supposed to sound like. Um, not rock music. Rock music is the incarnation of a different creed in a different culture, the secular culture, the consumer culture. That's what it's designed to do, to be a, a marketable product. Um, but what this is true, um, transcendent beauty that is connecting me to God who is beauty. And I'd never, I'd never experienced that in the church before. And that sort of set me, I think, on a path that started to lead me away from this whole idea of, you know, it's guitars and drums and being relevant. Um, and that's what we should, that's what faith should do. That's what the church should do. It should connect us to the transcendent and to God. Um, and so I think that that's where our renewal in the church should, should lead us. You know, I was thinking about all the great uh, architecture of Europe and even here in Canada, the United States, all these beautiful basilicas and churches. And whenever I've stepped into these buildings, there's so much more than that, aren't they? They really do bring you to a higher place. They bring you closer to God. And I was uh, really appreciative of Brian's insights on bringing beauty and bringing not even just the architecture, of course, but also the liturgy mass, pointing us back towards Jesus Christ, the transcendent the holy eternity. That's where we need to be thinking about each and every day. And of course, follow Brian and his fantastic video essays on YouTube and also check him out on his website, brianholdsworth.ca. Speaking of other people from Alberta and other Canucks, a real interesting conversation with Dr. Ryan Topping, who does some great work for us here at uh, in Edmonton at Newman Theological College and St. Joseph Seminary in Edmonton. He also wrote a fantastic book, probably my favorite book that I read all of this year. It's called Thinking as Though God Exists, Newman on Evangelizing the Nuns. The nuns as in people that are just no longer identifying with any religion at all, and Newman as in the great St. John Henry Newman. 
Now, of course, Pope Benedict XVI passed away the very last day of 2022, December 31st, 2022. God rest his soul. Uh, a big influence for me in my life, especially in being a courageous witness of Jesus' love for others, but also to learn more about my faith, to dig into the catechism, to to look into spiritual writings, not only of his own, but also of other saints as well. So in this little clip, Dr. Ryan Topping gives us an interesting insights on the connection with Pope Benedict XVI and the influence of St. John Henry Newman in his life. Catholic thinking moves from cosmology through to anthropology. And at the beginning of all things, as St. John tells us, is the logos, the uh, creative reason. I sometimes like to shock people, or, you know, students, uh, by telling them, you know, if you translated, if you um, pick up a little Greek and you translate the first bit of John's gospel, another way you could translate that first verse or render it is, in the beginning was rationality, is reason. This is a theme that both Newman and Benedict uh, were deeply attracted to. Now, in the beginning is reason and um what Newman and Benedict were both interested in is rescuing the West, rescuing the West from itself, itself as it turned its back on reason and rationality. Now, sometimes Benedict is called the the, the philosopher Pope, um, and I suppose for this reason. Newman and Benedict are also deeply interested in not only countering secularism and countering the uh, the shriveled notion of rationality that we've taken on since the Enlightenment. Uh, they're also deeply interested in history. So Newman is the one that revives the study of the Church Fathers, in the certainly in the Anglo world, but that spreads to France as well and and uh, elsewhere. Um, Benedict too. <clears throat> Uh, as, as you know, he wrote his doctorate on, on St. Bonaventure and Bonaventure's view of history. So this dialectic, the, there's a dialectic that, that goes on uh, in, in reality and also is, is picked up in the thought of these two giants of the modern church. That is the dialectic between universal timeless reason and the way that that uh, the, uh, divine rationality and, and, provident, and providence really is worked out through time and through history. Uh, so the, I'd say these are two themes that that unite these two. Benedict at one point says that that Newman uh, Newman's deeply influential uh, to the thought of ben of himself. So it's it's not accidental that people link these two thinkers of our age. Again, that book from Dr. Ryan Topping is called "Thinking as Though God Exists: Newman on Evangelizing the Nuns." Like I said, that's my favorite book of this past year of 2023, and I highly recommend it and a lot of the good work that's going on at Newman Theological College. So thank you for Dr. Ryan Topping and uh, another book that he has written. I believe he's at around 10 books already, and I'm sure he'll have another one around the corner and we'll get him on again sometime in the near future. Also real blessed to talk to Sean Lynn, who's got a fantastic apostolate, really dedicated to reaching out to men in the Catholic Church. And in this clip from episode number 93, Sean gives some insights on why Catholic men fall away from the Catholic Church in the first place, how to bring them back in, how to challenge them back into their vocation and their journey towards heaven. Well, part of it is is that lack of connection. Uh, 
men are lonely and and if they're not being connected with and it was interesting steve wood talked about a study that some irish priests did there's also this philosophy or theology that i'm going to heaven anyhow so why why do i need to go to church yeah and then uh, so just trying to reach men where they're at and we talked about it at my small men's group in my parish where we were talking about just meeting the guys and because after mass you go and talk to the people you know all the time right and so i purposely started this was back in february i every sunday i try to introduce myself to a new man because and I've had some incredible conversations. Uh, I remember a young uh, Nigerian guy that had only been in Canada for a couple months. It's minus 24. He's waiting for the bus. And so had a conversation with him, offered him a ride and just started allowing him to feel like there was somebody that was in his corner and and that's where we need to start reaching out to men to see where they're at and, and start inviting them into the mission, wherever they are on the continuum. Well, big thanks to Sean Lynn and this very important apostolate that he is a part of. And there's two websites that I want you to make sure you check out as soon as you can, uh, where Sean has a great deal of influence. The one is called Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. The website is catholicmenleaders.org and also godsquad.ca for more information and again thanks to sean for all the great work he's doing in our church well one of my favorite guys is david l gray always good for a laugh always good for some entertainment and always good for some solid theology and some a lot of great food for thought when it comes to evangelization and learning more about the catholic faith so in this clip i asked david how we can cut through the noise of this secular world and isn't there a lot of noise it really is but there's also a great message of hope in the Catholic Church. The beauty of our message and the beauty of the gospel is something that we need to be putting on the front burner when it comes to our evangelization efforts. So I ask David about this and what are some ways that we can really break through the secular narratives of this world and bring the truth of Jesus Christ to this fallen world. When you're connecting on those words, beauty and art and truth, one image just came to my mind just instantly was, you know, Montreal, uh, Quebec, and just... The, you know, all the streets named after the saints, so so many beautiful churches. I mean, the people of Montreal can't get it. Then it must be, you know, what's 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 what I think I think what's going on though, and I think that's sort of an image throughout the world. I think it's just a competing story, a competing narrative. And this is the issue that you know the church had with um with well, with Freemasonry was that it was, it was just presenting an alternative truth. It was telling a different story about how to live our life. But I think this is what's going on, whether it's on social media, all the apps, uh, through the government, through um, Hollywood and um, people who put movies together, um, and just, just everything that's flooding phones and television and, and radio. I think there's been a, a competing story that's been become so pervasive that we're having trouble as Christians breaking through with us, our story. And what I mean by that, take you, you, you and your family, David, you guys travel, 
right? And um, people can see you and they can encounter you. They can ask you if they wanted to, hey, tell me your story. What's, what's going on? There was a time when people did that. They had these conversations, right? They, you, um, you would sit down, you would meet people and you would have conversations. But we're not doing that. You know, our heads are on our, our phones. Uh, we're looking down. We don't really encounter one another. So antithetical to, to the scripture itself, right? God communicates stories to us. That's how he communicates, through story and through narrative. He also communicates through us with, with food, right? It's always been about food for God. He's like a foodie, right? Eat any tree to garden um, except for that one. Like, okay, it's, it's about eating from the very beginning. You're free to eat anything, right? Except for that one over there, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then we're in a desert. You know, he gives us manna bread from heaven. Jesus Christ himself is born in a manger as a feeding trough. And then he makes himself food for us. He says that his flesh and his, his body, eat it, drink it. For eternal life. It's always about being about food for God, but I think it, it, it is deeper than that because I think it goes back to relationship, community, encounter, um, sitting around the table, because there you tell your stories, you you encounter, you meet one another. It's just the communal experience I think we're missing. And um, the, the, uh, that's a piece that we can definitely do better at. And maybe um, if we focus on that communal piece of telling us the story, encountering, meeting, loving one another, just as a family, a bigger community, maybe we can break through that that haze of that that competing story that's that's out there that's telling people that God isn't real, that believe in everything but God, believe the the, the false atheism, you yourself is God, government is God, government can fix your answers, you can solve your problems, that this pill can solve your problem. This TikTok video, just upload another TikTok video, get some more likes. That will fix your problems. This competing story that is anything, everything, but the triune God. I, th I think if we if we if we focus on a communal piece, maybe that there may be something there. And then check out more of David L. Gray's great insights at his website, davidlgray.info, and follow him on Facebook and his great YouTube channel as well. Always some great content and good food for thought for you at those channels. Well, Keith Nestor has got a fantastic conversion story to the Catholic Church, and it's all over the internet. A lot of videos and great interviews by many people where he's chatted about that. One of the great things about his journey to the Catholic Church is his devotion to the Rosary and to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Just love it so much. And in this clip, he gives some real timely advice for us parents as we try to establish a daily prayer habit with our children, and in particular help with praying the Rosary and making it a part of our daily routine. Well, remember everything I just said about difficulty and perseverance, because <laughs> there, there's your opportunity right there. If the kids, are like, I don't want to do it, you know, persevering, persevering through that. But here's what I've noticed, okay? And I have a very limited perspective on this. But what I have seen is that families that, from a very young age, implement that into their daily life. This is not a problem. You know, the kids will actually enjoy it. The kids will be like, "All right, it's time for the road." Because here's the thing. Kids want to be with mom and dad. I know we don't think that when they get older, oh, they just want to get out of here. But when kids are little, they want to do whatever mom and dad are doing. Kids want to do it. You know, dad's out there in the, in the, in the garage tinkering with something. Where does, where do the kids want to be? Hey dad, can I help? You know, mom's in the kitchen making something. Where do the kids want to be? Oh, can I help? Like kids have this innate desire to want to be a part of whatever mom and dad are doing. 
So if mom and dad teach the kids that this is what we do, and here's the other part of it. If that's part of your family identity, this is what we do as a family. The kids want to be a part of that. So you have to establish that culture. You create the culture of your family. Otherwise, the world's going to create the culture for your family. You create that. Once you do that or when you do that, then it'll just be part of the routine. Because kids, kids, whether they like to admit it or not, they love structure and routine and security. That's what brings them security is, this, is the routine of that. So if you create that, but that's the thing. You've got to be disciplined to create that. It can't be, oh, we're going to say we're going to do it and then we don't do it. Or we're going to say we're going to do it, we do it for two days, then we don't do it. No, we have to make that a scheduled part of our day that we do as a family. So then once the kids know that's what we do, then even if they are like, oh, I don't want to do it, they just know this is what we do. Consistency and perseverance are the keys, but it will get easier the, the more you do it. Got to love that message of developing holy habits, not only for yourself, but also for your spouse, for your children, for your whole family. It's so important. And that rosary, praying it daily, that's what our Blessed Virgin Mary asked for that. Our Lady of Fatima, what a great message that was for us. And it's something we need to take heed and listen to. And I'll tell you what, in addition to the great uh, insights stories, a great evangelization story that Keith Nestor has, you can go to his website called downtoearthministry.org. Two is the number two. And you can get some more great information about Keith Nestor and also how you can pray the rosary every day with him. He's got a great, uh, also a, a ministry that focuses on praying the rosary online with a great community of Catholics all around the world. So check out Keith and some of his great work at that website, downtoearthministry.org. Well, towards the end of this year, we had a guest all the way from England, and it was a very special guest, Dr. Gavin Ashenden, who spent decades in the Anglican Church of England even served in the court of the Queen of England at one time as well. And then all well, that Marxist cancel culture really caught up to Gavin. And uh, But you know what? I guess things happen for a reason, right? And it was one of the, the catalysts that eventually led Gavin to the Catholic Church. And he's a great voice for our church in the United Kingdom right now. He joined us to talk about, well, the, the darkness of this world. There's so many things that are that are happening at a rapid rate. And it's uh, for Catholics like you and me, probably that are working every day, that are trying to raise our families in the faith. It can be a little bit overwhelming. But in this clip, Gavin offers some practical advice on acknowledging that we're in a spiritual battle, but also some joyful and hopeful ways that we can combat that in this life. Yes, let's let's go to the kitchen and use another analogy. Let's let's say we have some we've had a big fry up breakfast and our frying pans are are full of grease. There's a great deal of grease and it's cold and set and it's almost impossible to move, but a touch of hot water and detergent and it just melts away. And so Catholicism with the help of the Holy Spirit is the detergent. And 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 what I'm suggesting is that just by saying our prayers, by loving Jesus, by invoking our lady by asking St. Michael, what we we cleanse, it's it's a bit like, um, I remember learning why monks were there. Monks were there because one of the things they did was they, they bought a, a power and a, a commitment to prayer, particularly in the nighttime, particularly when the sun goes down. I remember my spiritual director, a very good uh, Anglican abbot, who was in an enclosed order, and he was saying, one of the reasons why we go to bed when it's dark and get up in the middle of the night and get up at dawn is because humanity does all its worst stuff in the dark. 
And we we get up in the dark and we pierce the dark with prayer. And the prayer that we have has an effect way beyond. Uh, it's a bit, if you know, it's a, it, it, the ecosphere of prayer stretches a very long way. If people are ecologically aware and they say to themselves, "Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think the ecological." position is alarmist and i don't believe in it but that's another matter but nonetheless it's taught us to understand that that, that we can affect the ecology of far wide on a far wider plane by what we do individually and i think that's a good parable for the spiritual life so it just requires christians to take jesus into them in the mass it requires us to pray the rosary, and we act as a kind of solvent against the sludge and the grime that the people who are not in Christ carry and constitute. Now, much of this happens at a spiritual level, at an unseen level, but it's very powerful. Um, and we know it's powerful because when people meet holiness, when they when they they meet Jesus in someone, uh, the presence of Jesus. Uh, it, it brings light, it brings hope, it brings peace, it brings calm, it brings reconciliation. It, it, it happens mainly out of sight. But again, the same it's the same thing that, you know, if you go swimming in the sea, you discover there are undercurrents that have a totally different temperature down your toes or your knees and what's going up on the surface. And again, the spiritual life is like that. It produces very powerful undercurrents that affect the ground on which people are standing. We just, you know, I'm a layman now. I, I would have wanted to be ordained, but the, the price was being silent in public. So um, uh, once again, <laughs> I'd already learned that I'm not commit myself to silence. Um, so I'm a layman. And uh, I know that the, the, the greatest effect I can have is by making sure that I pray the liturgy through the day and I continue to pray the rosary. And it's not about my well-being. It's about changing the the ecosphere around me, the people I come in into contact with. It's very interesting. Again, sometimes you, you discover that if someone's demonized, they just have to meet you, and the demons begin to twitch. It, it, it's almost it's not un, not unlike what happened in the Gospels. Wherever Jesus went, um, the the demons were kind of forced to the surface uh, by the by the king by the presence of the kingdom of heaven, and we. In a much more diluted way, we have that same effect. And that's partly why we attract such vitriol and such anger. Essentially, that's why Jesus said, blessed are you if they if they persecute you, because they persecuted the prophets. Holiness brings out the bit, the scum of bitterness and of rebellion. And so, in a strange kind of way, saying your prayers makes you a really disruptive force because it it, it it brings the it, it brings the toxicity to the surface. Really loved how Dr. Gavin Ashenden talked about the powerful undercurrents of the spiritual life, and I kept thinking, boy, all signs point to us living life in a state of grace at all times, so that we can be a beacon of light to others in this world. And we desperately need that in our world. We desperately need the joy of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and the the greatness of Christendom, of Catholicism. The beauty that we have and that we need to share and uh, we got to be figuring out something right away because we know what the world's like we just have to look outside our window to see what it's like but let's make sure our interior life is where it needs to be and that we're growing in a relationship with christ and i've said this before in the podcast when you live life in a state of grace your eyes just open up the scales are removed you see life so much differently so much better so much more clear
and the pursuit of Jesus Christ, that is what we're here for. And as Gavin Ashton had said towards the end of that clip, the toxicity of this world is going to come to the surface when the truth is exposed. And the truth is Jesus Christ. I just love this message. And I invite you to go and check out Gavin's great work. He's got a great YouTube channel, some great insights there, and some great articles that he writes for the Catholic Herald. Well, on the topic of ideology and the enemies of Catholicism and the enemies of Christendom itself and the gospel of Jesus Christ, socialism, Marxism, seeping into our schools and influencing our youth. So I was just so thrilled to catch up with Deacon Kenneth Noster, who with him and his wife, they have been real trailblazers of homeschooling in Canada and particularly here in Alberta. He's from the Archdiocese of Edmonton and really encouraging families to grow closer to each other and also encouraging children to come to a relationship of classical learning, of course, of faith in Jesus Christ, and really growing in community, uh, growing in love for their own families, but also for the greater community and their parishes and in their local towns and cities that they live in. It's just fantastic. But we do fight a war of ideology. And in this clip, Deacon Ken brings up the importance for families to be active, not only with that ideology and making sure that our, our Christian faith is brought to the forefront, but also to be politically active. Uh, yeah, our school system is built on a model that was developed in Prussia for the purpose of basically indoctrinating young people so that the Prussian army uh, lost, w w did miserably because they had, had soldiers who were not well disciplined. So they developed the school system there. It's really the model that all of Western schools have been based on, uh, built that model to basically develop obedience. Uh, and, and, you know, the kinds of things you get rewarded for in school are, are obedience, you know, fulfill the, the requirement, uh, write, the, write the test, it, uh, as opposed to learn to think, uh, learn to express yourself. And so that model is still alive and well in fact, as you say, many European countries are still using the education system only as a means of indoctrination, of controlling the population. And if you look at socialist governments, even socialist governments who we've dealt with locally, their model is one system, because one system can be totally controlled. And so everyone who desires, who values freedom, who, who desires uh, the capacity for intellectual growth that goes beyond what's being shoved down your throat must stand up. And so getting to know your MLA in this province is extremely important, no matter what their stripe. Get to know your MLA and influence on them. Give them an idea of what it is that you value educationally and how it's providing for good, not only in your family, but good in your community. And whether you're a grandparent, a high school student, get to know your MLA and, and inform them. And this isn't a one-time thing. This is ongoing because MLAs change. Uh, you know, after another election, it's going to be a whole different slate. And so this is a lifetime journey. The, the socialist approach is always going to be pushing down to control everyone, to control families, control all the students for sure. 
And so we have to continually be pushing in the other direction. There's no resting because as soon as you rest, uh, you start to lose ground. Boy, some powerful words from Deacon Ken Noster there. Uh, as soon as you start to rest, you start to lose ground. It's like that in the spiritual life as well. And we know that the forces and the principalities of darkness, they come to us through politics, through entertainment, through education. So we need to remain vigilant. And if you're interested in homeschooling your children, or maybe you just want to give some information to a family member who's talked about it, go to wisdomhomeschooling.com. Whether you're from Alberta, from Canada, anywhere in the world, you can get some great resources and get you a start and uh, maybe just answer some questions that you may have on homeschooling itself. Well, thank you for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast. And in a time of confusion of this world, and I know a lot of people are anxious about what's happening in the church and in the world, let's ask St. Paul in his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 14 for some timely advice. He says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So whatever's trying to take away your peace and give you that anxiety and that stress that is not coming from Jesus Christ, Jesus is the author of peace. He is the author of love. And he is not looking for a relationship with you that is political. He is looking for a personal relationship with you. And I hope that through some of these clips from some of our guests that we've had here this year on the Catholic Connect podcast, that you'll find that challenge and uh, find some hope, too, in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church Um, it's always a good news day whenever you're a Catholic. I always tell people that no matter what the noise is out there, whatever's happening at the Vatican, whatever's happening around the world, uh, that's all noise. We need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I really hope that the mission of this podcast becomes very apparent to you that the goal is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're from outside the Catholic Church, to invite you to come and join our ranks. In charity, I ask you this because you know what? We've only got one life to live. We don't get any do-overs. We don't get any mulligans. You've got one life to live. And the good news is if you live life in a state of grace, walking in a right relationship with Jesus Christ and striving for holiness on an everyday basis, all the tools you're ever going to need to get you to heaven is found in the Catholic Church and in our sacraments and in the Mass. St. Catherine of Siena says, Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. You got one shot. Set the world on fire for Jesus Christ. I assure you, you will not regret for a single moment of your life giving your life over to Jesus Christ. And for Catholics, you know what we've got to do in order to set that example for ourselves and for others too, to keep accountable to our promises that we made at baptism and our promises that we made at confirmation when we took on this faith that we promised we were going to be faithful to the church and to Jesus Christ right to the end. And that is to live life in a sacramental state of grace at all times, going to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. Chat with you very soon.